This is the At 530 on Main podcast. I'm Sean Collins. And I'm Mike Davis. And we're here to discuss the convergence of digital and physical experiences in today's world. With Extend Group as an expert in designing online experiences and VPS Architecture, an expert on creating physical experiences, you will hear unique discussions on technology, theory, and more that merges our separate areas of expertise into one podcast experience. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy today's At 530 on Main podcast episode. We have Jason Emerson, who is the executive director of the United Caring Services here in Evansville, Indiana. Uh, Jason, welcome. Thanks. Jason has been a, the executive director of the United Caring Services since October uh, 2015, graduated from Wrights High School here in Evansville, Indiana. He graduated from Indiana University Kelly School of Business with a BS in marketing. Um, has master's in divinity, uh, master's in public policy and nonprofit management and leadership certificate. He has earned additional certificates in executive nonprofit leadership from O'Neill School of Public and Environmental Affairs at IU and fundraising leadership from IUPUI. Uh, he has 20 years of nonprofit experience uh, in leadership and fundraising. He is a very active community member. Thank you for that. Uh, where he works with the Commission on Homelessness, Evansville Mental Health Commission, and the Evansville Promise Zone. He serves as a board member with the Council of Human or Health and Human Services Ministry, Echo Community Healthcare, National Alliance on Mental Illness, Evansville. Jason also volunteers with the Evansville Trails Coalition, Junior Achievement, Habitat, and Smile. He is a member of Bethlehem UCC and a proud uncle, enjoys running, and has a 10-year-old cat named Claire. That's right. There we go. Yeah. Some nieces and nephews as well, you know, but they won't make that list. Well, thank you for them. coming early <laughs> on a Monday morning to have some deep questions, you know, deep conversation around the word experience. It is. Yeah. I'm excited to be here. I long time uh, watcher, first time caller. I don't know. <laughs> I mean I, I you know, I see when you know it's shared by you yeah. know, shared out and everything like that. And I'm I'm I told uh um Andy Bacchus that, you know, I saw that his came out and you know, I was uh it, it's flagged because, you know, I wanna watch him. Yeah. So you know <laughs> Andy's young, a great young kid, guy. Yeah, just in, new into the E D game. Yes. He is. So yeah, what is it? He's two years in now, I think, right? Maybe not even. Maybe not even two yeah. years? Yeah. Well, yeah, he, would, went, he went in right in with COVID, COVID right? Yeah. Like he yeah. like yeah. was right named ED one. and then yeah. COVID, yeah. the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, so talk it all, about... It all blends together. Yeah. yeah. Well, like we said, isn't it like April of 2020 right now? <laughs> like right. We're, I mean, it's all we're at 2022. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... Jason, tell us a little bit about, you know, your journey to where you're at today. Sure. Uh, coming from rights, going to IU, you've, you've got a ton of education and, and how that's really uh, impacted, impacted you. Well, you know, and I think it goes with, you know, in part kind of the earlier conversation. You know, when I went into sales or, you know, after college, uh, you know, I went, uh, you know, I guess I think at that time I wanted to, I mean, I was looking out for myself. You know, I was 
everything I was taught. I, I mean, I did win trophies. You know, I just didn't get participation. <laughs> you know, generation that we we won something, and you try hard, and you work hard, and you want to be a winner. You know, and maybe some of that comes from privilege as well. You know, just background. My parents are still together, and um, but even as I pursued that in Chicago and did well, it wasn't necessarily fulfilling. And maybe it was easy at the same time. Yeah. Um, and I didn't see the, I'm not going to say return on investment. We did help people, kind of HR consulting, and we did help people in difficult times. But that's not where my mind was or heart was. And, you know, lived downtown and, you know, was living the life a bit. And so, you know, kind of went into the divinity route, pastor route for, you know, a decade and some change. Um, really wanted to. I mean, I just kind of dove head first in, in how I knew or expressed it and make it a difference in people's lives or make it a difference in the world, right? Because right. God told me to, you know, so, and that's a motivating factor by a lot of people, but um, that wasn't my only, whether it was altruism or really to make the community, country, people's lives better. And, and it worked okay in, in church, and it's not to be offensive to anybody, but it was also maybe a little unfulfilling, also a little hypocritical now. You know, I, at least I knew my place in Chicago. I was out to okay. sell, yeah. make money, mm-hmm. and do well, and be the best. You know, and that there's a lot of people who approach church that way, church pastors and leaders, and, you know, and they have thousands of people and glitzy glam and mm-hmm. things of that nature. But I don't know if they're really moving the needle on culture or humanity or society or spirituality. I think they're operating well in a corporate capitalist society. <laughs> not to get too deep. <laughs> But, you mean right? checks falling out of the wall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. six hundred grand in a bathroom. I mean, I, I look. We just, just we just uh, destroyed the bathroom and are rebuilding yeah. it at UCS Where's... with VPS, uh, yeah. and I didn't find six hundred grand in there. It wasn't just laying around. No, I don't. I must hire the wrong people. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, and then, but as I was doing that, uh, yeah, I wanted to kind of slide back into that business realm. You know, MBA wasn't really where I was headed, uh, I felt, but public administration, you know, city, community service, policy stuff, you know, and, I mean, I'll, I don't like necessarily talking politics, mm-hmm. um, RD or in between or whatever it is, uh, but I do like talking policy, you know, and it's impact, it's cost, nothing's for free, mm-hmm. nobody wins on everything, you know, and, and I think a lot of that's lost in, in our culture our mainstream communication as well. So I pursued that and then realized that kind of that nonprofit realm for, you know, for the next stage kind of blended business and kind of the church stuff, yeah. which was nonprofit and where mission wasn't monthly or weekly or a trip. It was just kind of everything we do every yeah. day. So and that's been the past six years, but I approach it from a, you know, business corporate leadership type position, you know, advocated on behalf of people who may not have a voice or, you know, are stigmatized or whatever, but um, I still want to win. You know, I still want to do well. I I haven't abandoned any of those internal motivating factors. But now when I raise the bar, uh, raise the line to help people, um, you know, other people benefit, not me. Right. Yeah. So tell us. I don't make the big bucks. (laughs) When I raise money. It doesn't go to my salary or anyone else, you know. Well, but it was like what you what were you kind of touched on it with uh, church, you know, and and the one thing with that is always like yes, they have to make money, quote unquote, make money, 
to survive, to provide services, sure. to provide whatever. And so to me, it's always about, you know, when we look at like Good Shepherd, it's always about yeah. engagement. It's still people being engaged in their community, right. helping out, whether it's through tithing, whether it's through donations, whatever that is. Or if, serving at UCS. As soon as you see it fall apart is when people go, ah, I, right. I don't want to be engaged. I don't want to be a part of this. I want to be separate. I want to live in my bubble, right. do my own little thing. And if you don't have that engagement, it all starts to fall apart. Well, show up for coffee or, or yeah. show up for any, a transaction. Yes. You know, and, and, that, and that's, I mean, I've or been Or your funding is... Now you're going to, oh, let's get the government to fund everything through tech, and now it's a forced right. donation almost. Through I think I saw something, and and this you know, is not to get into masks or any of that other stuff. It's just the idea of mandates, and and we have to have some for countries or societies or, or thing to work because there's the ideas that all people won't necessarily make the best decisions for themselves <laughs> or for others. Where call it sin or call it selfishness or whatever it might be. But there are some things, and this kind of gets into that policy or conversation um, between mandate or mission or movement. Like maybe some. Or there's another M in there too. Yeah, yeah, manipulation yeah. Manipulation. Manip- yeah, maybe. Manip- <laughs> but I like yeah. Keep it positive. But I, I think in sales, that's right. I, I did. There was some manipulation. It depends yeah. on who's your master. Another mm-hmm. M word. We love alliteration yes. around here. Um, and I think when my master or service was me, uh, or, or at least, um, you know, and I'm a words of affirmation, love language person, if you know any of that. So you tell me I'm pretty, you know, we're going to, we're going to get along pretty well. I was going to say it was a little leading question because it was trying to devolve in, you know, UCS, it runs on money. It does. I mean, it, no it money, no mission. No money, no mission. So mm-hmm. how do you engage the community right. to support your mission? Yeah, well, and I, I think we're fortunate um, to a degree in, and this kind of brought into church, you know, when when you're connecting people, not just in the pews on Sundays, that touch point, it always says, you know, Sundays was a bookend. It's, you know, it's where you end and start, mm-hmm. but everything else happens the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. And, but if that's the, your only interaction or the only reason why you're going, you need to dive deeper in, in, into your relationship with the people around you, your church, its mission, your God, or, or your faith. It doesn't even have to be church. It can be, you know, any any higher power thing that you would uh, choose to pursue. For UCS, I mean, you know, it is daily. I mean, we're daily difference changing lives, saving lives, feeding, clothing, sheltering. You know, there every person we have um, who donates and gives. Um, I mean, I want them to be connected to the mission. Uh, you know, to come in and volunteer and good shepherd volunteers and, and you know other people might to connect to the people. Um, I mean, they have some issues f- for sure. I mean, they're experiencing homelessness. Some are by their choice. Some is system or choices made to or for them, whether it's fair or dignified or just. We can get into. I mean, and unpack it. And none of them are experiencing just one issue. It's a combination of so many things that have led them to where they are. So I think ultimately uh, making the case for, for people who are vulnerable, um, you know, and stigmatized and warehoused and ignored, uh, you know, I, I think there's a positive uh, opportunity for anybody to connect with that. What got me into it, this would kind of be the follow-up to your other question, is I looked back 
you know, when I knew I was going to jump into this realm of what would scare me, what would strip away all that education, mm-hmm. all the privilege, you know, all the 40 plus years of my parents <laughs> loving me and knowing that they were going, what strips away all of that? Now, a little, little involvement with criminal justice, I'd probably be fine. You know, maybe a little substance use or alcoholism. You know, if I kick it, you know, with the support of loved ones or what have you, maybe I'd be all right. Any one of those things, I, I think I would be able to get 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 by. Um, but when they all started to add up, mm-hmm. and then I'd end up homeless, which is what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, steady, yeah, steady <laughs> flow. I mean, one thing if you can't kick it, that now you're you have intermittent employment. Um, you have, you know, you're not showing up for court. You get caught in this thing is like you need to work, but you can't take off work to address a warrant, you know, for something silly of how you're coping. And then, so you miss that. Now you have an arrest. Now you lose, and it just becomes, yeah. you, you, you're trapped. So if I, you know, being trapped in that, and then ultimately you can't afford a home or, and you lose that, um, yeah, that, that sobered me up, you know, pretty quickly knowing that, all accomplishments I had, and I think all of us can be there. Well, cost of healthcare, everything like that. So if I can let everybody know, it could happen to any of us. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it can. I mean, not even it, it can be. You know what? I I started one credit card, and then I went over here, and then I financed my you know right. wife's engagement ring, and then you know right. what? I went and got this car, <laughs> and then blah 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 blah. And I'm not being taught any kind of fiscal responsibility no. anywhere, and then. You know, then the housing market now, in 2008 gets you. Yeah. Boom. 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 You're upside like, down. Upside well, down. Or, or, or in a year from now. Well, it's really yeah. just how money works. You know, most yeah. people don't even understand it. No, and it's just, I was taught some of that growing Make up. Make the spend. You know, along with how to type. And yes. Typing classes <laughs> and, some, and some money management and things like that. So, and luckily that's what my degrees or things were in. But that's still very specialized and a lot of people wouldn't know how to manage that. And so that's internal, but, you know, then there's other external factors wanting to maybe even take advantage of you yeah. because you don't know. Mm-hmm. And ignorance isn't a bad thing, not knowing. I can just remember back in college when you would, like, show up on campus and the first five people that you met were from, like, a credit card company <laughs> as you walked in yeah. to, you know, go sign up for your Get classes. Here you go. Here you, you go. Well, that's where I got my first one. Thank you, Capital One. This is uh, Segment well, of the broadcast brought to you by Capital One. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's like, boom, check, check. And then, oh, you can, oh, I could take one more credit hour with this. Like, here we go. Here and I had a great stereo all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. But the funny thing, I, I paid for that into my mid-20s. But that's also the information, right? It's the information of how it started, the history of how it started versus where it ends up. Yeah. And people think where it ended up. I mean, where it ended up was them just make huge profits because they're getting 28%, 30% oh, yeah. on late payments and all that. But where it started was, oh, you get somebody in college to get your credit card. They carry it with them forever because right. they never get rid of it. And they never right. switch because they don't want to do until all they, the work. Until they built up that big balance yeah. and needed to transfer it somewhere you know, for yeah. 0% for six months because then they start to play that game. Yeah. But even a lot of people like that were fiscally responsible, it was just yeah. about getting them that. I wish I would have kept that card. Yeah. Yeah, I have it really helped my I mean my credit score is great, but yeah. it would it would be nice to still have that one. But uh yeah, so yeah, UCS. I think there's a you know, in what we do there's there's a real difference in impact that that people can make and 
Um, it's, so it's on the relief to, level, but it's well, also, I was going to jump to the yeah. next. Um, yeah. There was a there was a recent experiment. Mm-hmm. I guess you would call it a way to physically connect some a group in Evansville oh. to homelessness yeah, with a roar of the forty eight yeah, hours. Yeah. And how did did you have anything to do with that? Did you know that experience and how that worked out? Yeah, I had. We had a little like work to do with that. I mean, I we talked uh, ahead of time. You know, they did utilize UCS for. I don't know if all of them utilized it for to spend the night, so they would sleep in White Flag, mm-hmm. um, which is what uh, which had been an inclement weather program. We would start when it was going to be below freezing, and really thanks to the 48-hour uh, part of their start of that uh, initial funding, I think it was through more music as well uh, that uh, we got some additional funding for white flag to actually have it every night, December, January, February. So we, we benefited out of that a little bit. Yeah. And, I, and I do know, I'm not privileged to a lot of the conversations, but I do know that there was a lot of after uh, conversation just about you know the availability of resources and space and yeah. uh, treatment. And I, I believe everyone had a pretty good experience. There were some who were familiar more familiar, like the mayor, who's mm-hmm. very engaged through the Commission on Homelessness and has been a great advocate. And then there's a few others who, who learned a lot as well. And um, yeah, we were happy to, definitely happy to support that. Um, I wish it would have been colder. <laughs> and I wish they would have had to do it for a week. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're just a tourist at 48 hours. Yeah. Um, honestly. Okay. And it's how much you put into it. But I do know um, there were a couple, uh, you know, um, Oh, Hatfield, I forget his first name. Ryan. Yeah. He, you know, really, I mean, Zach, of course, director of Aurora, put a lot into it. But he, you know, was tweeting about it or, you know, putting out on social media. He really, I mean, from what I witnessed, I haven't talked to him, really seemed to get a lot out of it. And I, I followed his journey because I didn't know, I don't know him that well. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought he had a good experience. So yeah. if others had similar, I, I think it's a benefit to our community. Yeah, I've got a, a, sorry, I'm going to. Just so that I don't know what it is this morning, but the Guardian down there of like all the details is wanting to come out. I, it, like the you know creative is 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 way going. Hey, come back here. Sure. If you would tell us a little bit about United Caring Services. Oh, just what the, we do. Just what you do. Oh, yeah. Because we are just We're we we want we, we think it, right? everybody knows everything out there. I want sure. I want to be able. How to do you not know? Yeah, uh, listener. Um, So, yeah, United Caring Services is a homeless shelter services agency. We've been around since uh, for 30 years, since 1991. Uh, Out of Bethel UCC, an adult Sunday school class, wanted to serve a meal to people. And they did. Started utilizing St. Anthony uh, Community Center uh, and serving a meal, you know, once, twice a day, then laundry, then started uh you know a night shelter and things of that nature moved to our current location at sixth and ingle downtown Uh, if you want to know where that is the ymca moved a block closer to us we're not next to the y the y moved next to us love it yes love it know your place uh and uh we um moved there in 96 so in there we have a day shelter so low barrier day shelter um we get a lot of characters in there they're all good people um, we meals, laundry, hope to have a restroom and shower sometime soon. Uh, it's been renovated. It, you know, what a great time to 
do a renovation. Right. Uh, but it's happening, and everyone's doing a good job, the best job they can, given given the situation. Clothing, hygiene items, all that jazz. Get get your mail. You know, funny thing, in the United States, if you don't have an address, you cannot get an address. So if you don't have an address, yeah. Wow. So you need a place to get mail. Things I don't. So yeah. you can Monday morning education. Right yeah, now. yeah. If you so don't have an address, you can't, you can't get, get an address. address. Yeah, and you can't get an ID without an ID. You can't get an address, but you can't get an ID without an address. What? Yeah. So I can go off the grid <laughs> without yeah. an address. Uh, no, yes, but you will not get. I will never. But you back will in. be off the grid, and it will. Yeah, you'll end up having to. Use UCS or get a PO box or something, mm-hmm. right, to to have an address to then start your life. But some IDs and things won't utilize a PO box, so you actually have to have a physical address. Wow. So I know UCS and probably our other homeless shelters, Ozanam, House of Bread and Peace, or other homeless shelters, Evansville Rescue Mission as well, and then uh, Aurora, who aforementioned, you know, does homeless services like case management as well for the community. So day shelter, low barrier, we let everybody in as much as we can uh, as long as they're not a harm to themselves or others um, we don't really want to deny people meals for whatever they're going through uh, but we have a men's night shelter overnight a women's night shelter at Ruth's house we have some apartments uh, on the third and fourth floor a medical respite so safe discharge out of hospital so that's a, a huge expense or a cost that can be avoided um, you don't want to keep someone in a hospital too long you know at $1,400 a night um, that somebody's going to have to eat uh, if they're ready to be discharged, but you also don't want to kick them to the street. So they can come to us and recuperate a, a little bit more, and, and we'll try to take care of them. And then uh, aforementioned white flag as well uh, for cold weather. And then we're looking into diversion center, which is kind of a rest, jail, ED, EMS, diversion, substance use, um, you know, is a main thing, mental health issues, and other contributing factor we'd already talked about. In my six years as I've done this, um, and I didn't, of course, start in this area, and I learned as I went, realizing we need to address the issues that cause and continue homelessness. Obviously, hunger being one of them, not having an address, not having a place to sleep. But, you know, there's other things, criminal justice involvement, social disconnectedness, yeah, um, as well as mental health, substance use, you know, employment. If we can, you know, make some inroads in those areas. And I only do so much from a homeless services perspective, but if I'm doing everything I can to connect those dots, then we're going to be better off. I I will say our community, all the homeless shelters previously mentioned, commission uh, through city, county, governments, officials, uh, local leaders here, downtown Evansville, EID, we are a paying member of that, even though we don't pay property taxes. We want to have a voice there and be a part of our community. I sponsored a block with the EID, yeah. UCS did, and the Promise Zone. Um, you know, I'm big fans of you know, all those working areas. They're good partners with us. Wonderful. Yeah. All right, Mike, you, were, you, were, you had a question. Yeah. I just went to make sure that everybody understood where. You can give yeah. at unitedcaringservices.org. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Volunteer. Yeah, Sean threw me off, so. Yeah. My creative mind went other places as well. We were just, yeah. I, I, I was went, thinking about all the, the different things, clicking off all their different services. Well, one thing, I, I don't know, this probably gets into some stuff. Well, <laughs> in about space and things, uh, one thing I liked about you know doing the podcast or doing this is our uh, 
our vision and mission we redid a couple years ago. The mission is about being a good homeless shelter services agency, right? Sustainable and low barrier and things of that nature. Our vision is to kind of collaboratively create a community of caring yeah. uh, in the space we have. So as a shelter, our building, our space is our programming in many ways. Yeah, case management, mm-hmm. transportation, things of that nature. But, you know, we return home. We provide shelter. <laughs> you know, we have a, a place to go during inclement weather. So our space and, and how we have invested in it, you know, with VPS over the past five years, um, I mean, we've done hundreds of thousands of dollars of capital improvement. And when you invest in that, you're investing in the people who use it as their living room and their bathroom and their dining room and their living rooms and their bedrooms. And if it is nice, dignified, clean, bright, you know, modern, durable, um, people behave better. They feel appreciated. And that's kind of one of the things about... I love that. Yeah, and, and that does, if you really follow it and think about it, can make you emotional. Yeah, I mean... Who would have well, thought? I mean, it's the same way in community as a design, too. Yeah. It's like, you know, when you're just building, you know, what was it, 60s, 70s, when they started building just blank boxes. Yeah. And said, oh, put all the basic poor people here. And it was like, no, no. But if you create a community and you, within there and people that can have front door pride and, and they can have living space and garden space and everything else, yeah, there is a sense of pride that comes from that. Yeah. That they take care of. Not only their space, but their community as well. Yeah, and and that's what we've wanted to do. Is, I mean, it's from even the table to you know, the design of bathrooms, increased lighting, even how we organize the space itself, and you know, in a communal area. You know, this kind of dives into the another side, but like social, um, oh, antisocial personality disorder. So antisocial stuff. If you know, if you maybe feel you're being abandoned by society or <laughs> you yourself due to various things become a distrustful person or whatever experiences and maybe you start living on your own as survivalist or yeah. off the grid yeah. and things of that out nature there. out there man and we all i mean we're kind of frontier i mean that's part of the american dream right in a way you know out on the road and uh, but there comes a degree where you have to interact with society and community to a degree. And a lot of our homeless shelters, you know, it's communal living space, very communal. So if you've developed that, experienced that, whether it's diagnosed or that's just who you are now as a personality, more of a lone wolf type folk person, uh, it becomes very difficult uh, maybe to successfully navigate a shelter or our, our current system. So we're, we're trying and various endeavors to um, provide a little more individual experience, you know, maybe smaller rooms and and things of that nature. And I know Rescue Mission has some individual rooms or some smaller spaces as well that can help people be successful. So um, we're locked into the walls we have, but we're trying. So growing up in Evansville and then going and, and I'm, you know, how is that impact you I mean you've studied in indy you've studied in bloomington um as you said you were in chicago at, at the big win how has that evansville base helped you you know be you know that community of what i consider caring sure 
uh, impact? Did it help come back around to? Yeah, it did, surprisingly. Maybe it comes with age, right? You hear the yeah. story maybe often in Evansville of those who were gone. When I moved back in you know, 2015, I had been gone longer than I had lived here. Right, so lived her up to maybe nineteen, and then yeah. you know, sp- you know, split or eighteen, and then split a year or two between Bloomington and here, and then I was full time Bloomington, and then gone. Uh, you know, and I you made that vow that maybe many people make. Uh, I will never come back here. I did. <laughs> yes. I never left. Yeah. Fortunately, <laughs> yeah. 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 or fortunately, I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, I, I've left. I've went all over the place, but I come back. You know, after a couple weeks, and yeah. I've absolutely like I was at at eighteen, the one that's like everybody. Like you looked at me, there was no way it was staying, right. and then you know one one thing leads to the next, and here after still 46 years yeah well and i was i guess the same way um but left i did and then the dream was business school you know eventually as that became the dream chicago you know big city and then you know as i continued to move i never left the area i was given opportunities to work in like portland oregon or transfer to like australia and things like that as far as career moves Uh, during that first four to five years in Chicago. But, you know, that connection, you know, I would say, you know, blame the love of my parents and our good relationship. (laughs) I never made it past Missouri (laughs) or misery. Uh, No offense to anyone from Missouri. You know what I'm talking about. This this segment of the podcast is not brought to you by the state of misery. Uh, The yeah, the and. I, you know, when I was looking for the next move after the degree and considering what I wanted to do, you know, my mom said, why not um, consider Evansville or put Evansville back on the map? And I had, you know, my oldest niece is 17. And since she was born, I had returned here maybe every four to six weeks to play with her and then go to Scott School on a Friday, eat lunch with them. And then I would spend the night in one of their rooms, you know, as the, there's four of them now, uh, as they got older, and then would drive back Saturday because I got to work on Sunday, right? Uh, And then continue to do that. And I mean, from where I lived in Missouri, that was three and a half, four hours each way. And then it didn't make sense as the youngest one, who's now eight, was just one, that I'd be maybe more in her life. And both my parents are, you know, still kicking and and happy and doing well and you know, so that was it. And then I thought, you know, what do I want to do? And as I kind of discerned of where I was headed or I wasn't quite to homelessness yet, then this position at UCS uh, come April of 15 was put on my radar. Beth Foltz, who's director of Habitat, was somebody I've known my whole life. Derek Stewart, who was CEO of the Y the whole time I had known. And they were both kind of putting feelers out, seeing what might be here. Yeah. And they both came back to me with this job around the same time I saw it posted. And then after that, it's history. Love it. Yeah. Love it. So I want to ask you, you talked about, you know, that desire to win and you were out there in marketing and, you know, you know, leading that charge. Mm-hmm. And do you still have the sense today that as a nonprofit organization, you know, there is that, that question of how you said it should be nice and that experience is is there do you get a little bit of that you know why is the budget this and what is that and and how do we you know how do we make sure that 
um, we 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 do ask for more, and yeah. we do win because you know what? Just because we're a nonprofit, it's not that we should have the smallest budget, and you know, mm-hmm. have have only three people working for seventy three things. Uh, do you have? Do you get that experience at times? Why do you need all this stuff? Yeah, I, there. You know, it gets hinged around, and it probably would have be conversations that don't include me for fear that I might chime in. <laughs> Right. right. Yeah, I mean, you have those conversations, all oh, the nonprofits. I mean, I'm I'm for consolidation and, you know, a lot of the business type things, mergers, acquisitions. That's some of the stuff I did in Chicago yeah. as part of the consulting. There's always positives to that. And, and those rules and um, analyses should also be done in the nonprofit world. Um, but everyone wants to start their own. Um, so, you know, there's a little bit of a frontier there as opposed to finding some place that aligns with what you do and just go volunteer and make their community better. Yeah. I think that should always be the first step, the second step, third step, 10th step. And then if you can really, if you really see a gap in service out there, approach another business to maybe fill that and, mm-hmm. and offer your resources, talents to do that, not start necessarily another nonprofit, but that's not quite where your question was. The, yeah, I do believe um, that capacity growth within UCS has happened over the past few years. Um, you know, we've added some staff and we're only doing what we do better uh, because of it. And uh, I think the people we serve deserve that. And I think, I don't know the exact number. I'd be interested in knowing, and, and we're kind of looking into it, but um, I mean, the sector of nonprofit as far as economic development, I mean, we employ people. Yeah. I've given. You know, over these past few years, uh, I mean, two and a half, three dollar base pay raises to our to our staff. Uh, at least our direct care staff has made that. So, I mean, we we employ people. We're part of economic development. The nonprofit sector is the third sector. So we exist either because government failed, for profit companies failed. Um, we exist. Yeah. Um, and should be as an equal partner. And yeah, I I want to have a net income every year. Yeah. Uh, a large net income I would like to have every year so I can build capacity, build staff, improve programs, renovate, and continue to do what we do better, but not just do what we do better, expand into other housing or address these issues that cause a continued homelessness. You know, so that's that's why you give. And there's always this fallacy or understanding when it comes to overhead. I am overhead. Even though some of my, what I do is uh, I assign to programming, which it is because, you know, I do some programming, but most of me is overhead or administrative costs. So there's this idea that, oh, we want our nonprofits to have low admin costs. So it <laughs> yeah, all goes to like profit you want. or all goes to programs, I mean. Yeah. And, yeah, you do if you want them to fail and to be, and <laughs> not do well. Uh, you, you want do more with less but then you know have the best right like that so here we want a million dollar program paying somebody sixty thousand fifty thousand dollars a year Mm -hmm. to work a hundred hours a week (laughs) makes a lot of sense but man we're keeping that admin cost down man that looks good no uh i mean the average i think i don't know this exactly ed of a nonprofit. I don't know if this is within Health and Human Services alone or across you know, all nonprofits, which would include the Rose Bowl and the NCAA. <laughs> so those aren't real nonprofits, yeah. in my opinion. So, I mean, I would say Health and Human Services, ED, you know, like me, I mean, two years, 
turnover rate, two and a half maybe, up to three. Yeah. And that's because of this idea that um, – and then it just becomes stress, time away from family. Uh, and it's such a need for our community uh, that we're choked or starved off at the top. Absolutely. And uh, without the ability to build that and, and do our jobs as well as we could. I, I have done – we have done a decent job at UCS, and I would say our local Evansville community is supportive, and we have some smart, savvy donors, I think, who really do understand that. Um, that And that we don't make profit in the sense that when we make money, it's going into my kickback fee, right. you know, or, or, right. or to shareholders. Mm-hmm. It's going into, you know, our community and our stakeholders. So, yeah, I, w- I would think... Um, with a, I have called it in the past. I think maybe even on our year-end report, uh, I call it the awesomeness. I don't call it administrative <laughs> costs. I call it awesomeness yeah. costs because invest. The more we spend there, up to a point, right? I mean, I shouldn't be making two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year or anything doing what I do. But the more we're able to invest in that, up to a reasonable point that we can keep people working, keep them happy, benefits. You know, the things that everyone else takes for granted that, I mean, we don't pay benefits. Oh, my gosh. That add so much more money. And we can get into, I would love to raise everyone to $15 an hour and scale that up. 100%. If we mandate that, I need to mandate that the 60 grand I get, (laughs) the 30, (laughs) 90 grand I get from the government needs to also Also increase increase. $100,000. I'm okay with both. Uh, but then how are we going to pay for it? So yeah. we can get into that conversation I just, another time. But well, I, I thank you for going there with me because it's, <laughs> it's you know, I always, I, I get it all the time. Of, well, we've got all these nonprofits, all those things and, you know, consolidation, whatever. But, you know, there's just so much overhead in them. And give me the, go all the way to the ROI and show me the spreadsheet. Yeah. Which I can, which I can do. Everybody can show yeah. that. But then when you look at talent. Yeah, talent's key you know that it creates that experience when that person is already struggling you know to get to work and has two kids at home and, and then they're trying to help out people who are in you know Crisis. almost the same you know yeah. thing that they're in you can't give what you don't well, possess so how thing, can they have that experience and when they walk in transference happens yeah so if our people are in crisis there's a good chance we will become in crisis, yes. you know, because you cannot be unaffected by what you see every single day in the trenches. The mud and the blood mm-hmm. is where we are. And you can't, I mean, unless you're a sociopath or something, but I mean, if you have any empathy or sympathy or anything, you cannot not be affected by that staff. And if you're paid or on that raggedy line yourself, you're going to be overwhelmed and probably emotionally and spiritually, as well as financially, you're going to have maybe reasons to bail. And the way we succeed is if I keep people, I mean, like any organization, retention, retention, training, invest in our people. Uh, and then the better they do, the better we're able to serve. It, it's the same anywhere. And, I mean, I, I don't know if we're digging through the administrative costs of all the businesses on Main Street in the overhead. But I'm going to tell you. Hundreds of percent probably higher than mine. And, and <laughs> well, that's where we're yeah. always going after the, that's, I, I have this conversation a lot. We're all going after, 
you know, the shiny thing. I, I need a I need a new marketing thing to bring more clients in, or I need, you know, we need to bring in more people uh, to our region because we have all these jobs. When yeah. you know what, the number one thing we need to look at is retention. Hundred percent. Because that is your attraction. When right. when you when people love what you do, your customers, your clients, whoever it is, the ones that you're caring for, they love you too. Right. And we can only get there by. Like, like I said, you can't give what you don't possess. So if we're not leaning in heavily to organizations like UCS and going, what can we do to make them stronger? And every person within that culture feels that so that when they're out there, you know, like you said, you are getting a lot. I mean, you, you see it. You are in the trenches every day. And if you don't have the services to care for your people and, you know, the ability to expand and, and get more in so that you can uh, impact those that come in it, it's a it's it's upside down it's one more thing that we're bringing in and we're going to light it on fire and yeah. we're just going to keep bringing them in light it right. on fire right it's well just, it says the discussion like the fallacy of capitalism is what i call it because people think oh yeah everybody every business owner is making a lot of money they're they just want all the money for themselves and right. it's like uh not true no. I want to pay people yeah. very well. I want the best. I want to attract the best. Definitely don't want to lose yes, money. Yes, we want to make money, but we <laughs> have to have money coming in. And yeah. so when, when you have the government step in and say, now pay all these people X. And, oh, by the way, here's a, we're going to shut down health insurance to where it's all so expensive that you can't afford it almost. And now you have to start thinking about, well, now i got to get rid of people or I can't hire as many people and i got to do less with more instead of thinking about how to grow your business and do better. And so I always say the problem is when government forces anything on businesses, it's the exact opposite effect of what they you think is going to happen. You will often get a kickback for sure. Yeah. Well, and I think, uh, you know, to what you were saying too, the um, I would like to, I, I look back at 18, was there anything that would have kept me here or had me come back at 22? Uh, I know when I was even looking for jobs, um, you know, and part of that's growth. Twenty, or at least at our, when we were that age, we were on our own at twenty-two, hundred percent. Yes. Uh, I mean, my parents still supported me, loved me, and everything like that. But I mean, I was an adult. I was on my own, living on my own, paying my own bills, making my own consequences. Hundred uh, percent. I don't know what would if I would have moved back here at that time, or or any knowledge would have gotten me here, but. Uh, outside my own journey, but I think there is something that can be done now that kids uh, or young adults might be remaining here longer now, as that 22 is maybe closer to 25, 26 now. Uh, and and some of that's Mike to what you were addressing, just other changes culturally, healthcare, what have you. And there's nothing. I'm not assigning value. I'm not going to say that's good or bad. It, it just is that there's something that we can be doing to recruit that talent while they're here in that liminal transitional thing where we were just high school college gone yeah. in yeah. many ways where now there's an opportunity not don't look at it as oh kids these days are on their parents insurance till 26 27 well that just means you have them here here <laughs> that much resource. longer to yeah. train them educate them get them in trades or ivy tech or usi if that's their path whatever their path is um and as far as giving to UCS, you know, I am a high tide raises all ships type of person, uh, not a not a trickle down person. Uh, but the idea is, I want UCS, as far as churches go, to be a place or faith is 
to be a place where you exercise your discipleship. Just don't talk about the guy who tells you to do it, <laughs> whoever that guy is in your or woman is in your religion. Mm-hmm. Come do it. And we are your yeah. place for that. Don't just put values and a vision on your website as you make $100 million mm-hmm. for a profit company. Come do it. You know, yeah. Give here and then your people. You know, as far as fundraising goes, there's many motivations for fundraising, religious or, you know, God tells you to do it. Altruism, you just, you, you want to be a good person and give back. Um, you want people, you want to throw your name on something. You want people to know you did it. So there's some recognition. There's socialite moving among people, you know, who that's, <laughs> that person's known. Yeah. So be the business. You have people at your employee who are motivated by all those things. Words of affirmation, your love languages, those are all motivating factors. So in your quest for retention, to some, the fact that you give back or volunteer and make a difference, grow where you're planted, won't make any difference. They're there for the money or they're there for the personal skills or whatever. But for some, it will. Yeah. And if it's... $30,000 a year to train and retain one of those people. And there's four who identify with that. And you give 30 grand, you're saving 90. 90. But we're making, and we're able to then affect the lives of 500 more people. You know, it's just, the math is phenomenal. Well, yeah, you got me starting to get on a soapbox you know when it comes to education and retaining people and yeah. it was and it's all come from kind of our generation right everybody's got to go to college because that's how we're going to get people out of this low income sure. whatever and it was like they got to go to college got to go to college in our days and then everyone's finally how long did it take that they're finally figuring out mistake yeah because not everyone is meant to go to college yeah. not everyone wants to go to college yeah. now, and when so now so when you eliminate all the services and all the trade schools and all that and take all that out because we're forcing everybody into this mold, you have a gap. And right. now we're seeing the results of that over the last few years, I think. And that would have been better to develop people and not worry about whether it's college, whether it's right. trade school, whether it's going to the union halls and anywhere they want to go, let's make sure there's resources because that's what we need. Yeah. The person, not the path. Yes. Yeah. Like, yes. 100%. <laughs> well, and, it, and you retain the person. It's all yes, it's relational connectedness. Back yeah, to even all that, you know. But we have people we would have exchange students and be like, "Oh no, if you're not, you know, they you're going on a different path early in life because they already see, hey, this person's not going to be go to school to be a doctor and they're not going to go to school to be an engineer or whatever the case may be we got to get them on the path to learn a trade so when they graduate right they're well on their way to oh i do remember that it was like college prep tech prep yeah Yeah, which way are you going to go you know we i mean look at how the it was completely like 94 you had uh you know you had the school was basically the my high school was basically split there was like the tech ed you know tech you had ag, and then you had CAD and drafting yeah, and yeah. welding and all that mm-hmm. way over here. And they and got to leave. That they hall. got to leave a little bit yeah. too, and they got yeah. to go do that. Yeah. Yeah, and then you had education over here, and then you had the arts, and 
you know, the the blended, that really wasn't there. You were just going in a direction mm-hmm. when if you could actually blended, you know, a little bit of art, a little bit of science, right. a little bit of welding, yeah. a little bit oh, of... Oh, yeah. I mean, how many yeah. people follow through with their first degree? I mean, you know, even even since then, like, I mean, I'm still... I'm still utilizing it in all that I've done, but I'm not in direct marketing or sales. I'm not in, I mean, I am in major account sales or I was in church as well. It was life, right? Your, your major account that what I'm selling is a, is a better way of life uh, in a way. And and now is charitable and society. I mean, I'm selling, I'm literally trying to sell a better world. Well, a better country. Well, and that, but that's again, another thing that like when we talk about our degrees, yeah, the reason is why because then they're trying to force people to just get, take a major, get out, take a major, get right, out yeah. because you, we can't have you be in there for and there's no way to sit there and explore, and try to figure it out if you enter college and don't know. Yeah, people are like, you're yeah. wasting money. You're wasting. Yeah, you're money. spending twenty thousand dollars a year to yeah. not know. Well, Michael Aukus, uh one of my mentors right. at, at USI, after I went back many many years, I, I have a. BS in liberal arts with an emphasis in graphic design, which meant I left as an e-media specialist to direct website development, like yeah. somehow go with, you know, my paper says this and I'm yeah. building websites and CD-ROMs and all that stuff. Yeah. I, I don't know how that works. It was like one class turned me into... Certified the, in geosites you were? Yeah, all, all these things, <laughs> right? Geosites, but then, But then Michael was like, you know, many years I went back to him and said, hey, let's build a collaborative. He said... You were never like I would say an artist or whatever. He said you were an entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. And we have to have that direction for right. because that's where a majority of our business or liberal actually at the time it was the school of liberal arts was the one that was generating the most entrepreneurs because right. you know when you get out there and you have whatever degree whether it be sculpting or painting or you got to figure out a way to make it work right and you have to be really creative to make that your profession yeah and he said you're churning i mean we're churning out entrepreneur after entrepreneur but we have no programs for that and you never had that education so even today as i sit here we listen you know we educate we deliver Mm -hmm. um art i've completely you know changed to a culture experience because great marketing only makes a bad product fail faster. They all yeah. be, right? Yeah. So we've built all these beautiful rocket ships for all these clients. And, and when, when it does start to come in the door, the people are all lit on fire. Like there's no, oh, we've, we were prepared for that extra $500,000 in billable this year. No, we're just going to pile it on onto the people that were there. So I've seen it for, you know, 20 years. And now... I'm on the complete other side of before you do that attraction, let's make sure we have that retention. Let's make sure we have that vocabulary so everybody understands what happens under pressure, that we communicate through tools so that we start to build from it within. And it's just not the, you know. Well, because you have the reverse. People start like the top down. Right. The top down, we're going to start. This is who we want to be as a business. And then everybody down here is going, that's not who we are. Right. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and that happens, I mean, in our strategic planning as well. Yeah. I mean, there's just, you know, the mi- mission really comes from the base, yeah, I, you know, from yeah. the people. Right. You know, and a lot of our, I mean, back to, uh, 
changing hours, say at Ruth's house or women's shelter or any d design changes or building things and at UCS as well, everything has really come from feedback. Most everything we do comes from feedback from the people we serve. And, and that just gives me the goal to shoot for. Yeah. And I'm going to find the goal no matter what, but it makes sense if it's practical and going to have an immediate impact and I'm going to make it sustainable. It's going to be good for 20 years, but not much longer because who knows where we'll be and what we'll need in 20 years. I mean, um, and then you're talking about, uh, you know, going through school, even, you know, going through seminary, you know, I think the business degree that I had suited me well. I think that is a maybe a good foundational thing. If you're not sure what to do, maybe that because there's some possibilities there that can you touch many things. Yes. Uh, you, whatever your hobbies or passions are, um, but um, I would say that there's a degree of maybe the need for that startup mentality, along with collaboration and teamwork. Like everyone. You know, startups, you know, to bring competition and, and excitement and to fill gaps and to reduce stagnation and, you know, on somebody's passion, you know, to wrap support around that. And, and I know we've had that with co-work things and incubators and, and things of that nature. I, I like that. I like that in the nonprofit world as well, uh, but it translates more into first you have to look at what are you trying to do, how are you trying to do it, can you improve at least in the nonprofit world where it changes, can you help improve someone's mission to do it better to be a part? Where maybe more on the for-profit side is you're going to fill a gap, be a first mover. You need to take advantage of that. Yeah. Uh, develop it. Um, invest a little. Sell higher. Well, and you, you know, well that doesn't work, and, and there's the difference. But I still think that you know, and entrepreneurial startup. But, you know, with the idea of teamwork, relationship, collaboration, it's kind of key. But to be able to look at this, I mean, going back to talking about how we're directing whoever it is, the youth or the, yeah. you know, second, I'm going for my second career path here or whatever it is, to do some self-exploration with the yeah. individual that you're talking about. And we use a tool called Peace Index, but really mm -hmm. find out what their key motivator is. Right. Because most don't know. I mean, it's like you have nature and you have nurture. Some people grow up in a, a, a household where, you know, provision is, you know, money. Right. Like that's, that's how we define success. But then when you actually look at the nature of the individual, it might be the people they're around. Right. So you have people, you have place, you have you know, provision, you have purpose, sure. and then you have personal health. Which one is your, like, to be able to go to that individual and say, which one of those three, you know, which one of those five is your key indicator that would take you down a direction and, and really do the self-exploration to go, you know what, I'm all about place. I'm all about the the, organ, the, the town or the, the, you know, community that built me and I'm all about expanding it. And then if I lean into it, it's going to lean into me mm -hmm. or maybe it's not, you know, maybe it is provision. I got to make a lot of money and do all those things. Some people are naturally wired, wired like that, but to have that conversation early with either the, the, the youth or the one that's going into, you know what, I spent 20 years in marketing and, you know, 
like I'm an introvert. Da, 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 like, <laughs> I, like, I am exhausted I, when exhausted I go home. When I go home, <laughs> like this was supposed to be like I was going to be working, you know, with Chevy, and I was going to be out at, at at SEMA, and I was going to be doing all these. But you know what? After I did all that stuff, I was I I I, I couldn't even get off the couch because I was burnt out a week. You know, after I went through that experience, like to be able to get the the discussion around what is it, you know, is it purpose, is it people, is it place, mm-hmm. you know, personal health, like how do we how do we get that into the discussion early and and even as you re- rebuild, right, rebuild right. individuals, like for for them to know, like what is what is that key motivator for you. And how can we help that, you know, help get that out of you so that you know, so that on this next journey, it, it has purpose. Right. So, and, and we're, not, we're just that. not, yeah, we're just not having that conversation. It's just like, okay, you need to go here. Like, we're communicating to execute. Like, right. you have, like, Mike, you're going to be, you're a creative, you're awesome, you're, you're going to be a writer. What was it? Just be a writer. Was it the ASFAB? What was it? No, that's, I think... There's a test that said you might you'll yes. be a marketing or a funeral director. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> and that's the test you took. And <laughs> corporate marketing or funeral director. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, <What>? firefighter. <laughs> you know. Okay. That's 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 a broad career path <laughs> for me. I, yeah, we uh, in succession planning or you know HR stuff. We kind of call that. Here's another P word for you. you can incorporate your power lane. Okay. So even in amid all that, like amid, so as an executive director, you know, I'm HR head, operations head, finance head. I'm the head of every department we don't have. Yeah. Right. So chief everything officer. Ch- chief everything officer. Yes, hundred percent. And you have to really be knowledgeable in in many of those things. And this isn't about me, but I was told just given experience and everything that I had, uh, I I am a little bit of an oddity in my role given all my experience like you know I'm I, I was prepared for it in a way um, thankfully um, but even within doing everything there are things that I find more rewarding more comforting uh, more in, you know enjoyable and that's my power lane yeah you know and maybe the next ED don't, doesn't share those whatever that is so I need to or, or the previous one. So, what would happen as we look at job transition from a corp or a business perspective, or board perspective, or employer perspective? Mm-hmm. If you do have someone leaving that's been really good, and somebody coming in, figure out what their power lane is. Because if you were used to my power lane, mm-hmm. and that was the job in a way, or your expectations, and Mike You're comes in with a, a slightly different one. You can't treat us the same. Even though we're doing the same job, he can graphic design on his own yeah. to a degree to, to not, you know, concept to a little bit farther where I am stick figures. But we're still handing it off to somebody. Yeah. But they're saving time there, communicating at a different level I would be, where I can message it. Yeah. Where he. Speak no good English, none. All about alignment. Yeah. It's all about alignment. alignment. So we are over an hour into this awesome podcast. Um, I'm going to be extremely pot. This is a great conversation here. Um, 
like to keep them at an hour, but you know sure. what? We're going to go over. We can wrap we're gonna go. No, we're going to go over because we have, a, we have a few other questions. Sure. Um, how about part one and part two? It was so exciting. <laughs> we can. How about a little holiday filler? Yeah, Sandra, our guardian, would go. No, this is the yeah. schedule, and we are we're, sticking we're, to it. Well, we're we're missing our meeting right now. That's that's okay. For after this, so. I was, that's fine. So, uh, what is the word experience? Like we've talked about experience and journey, and what does the word experience mean to you? Yeah, when we talked a little bit about this before, my my first reaction, you know, to this was more, you know you know, something, I don't know, that affects you is probably how I would, would say it. I mean, you whether it's positive or, or negative, no value uh, assigned is that either it's a learning, you know, it, it's it's not stagnant. It can't be stationary. It just, it has to have mass or, or something. And, and however you enter into whatever it is, whether it's a space or whether it's a, an, an occasion, I don't know, yeah. something that happens in life, that moment in time, or, um, yeah, it, it leaves you, whether it's affected or affected in some way. Um, and, I mean, I think life is, I mean, this is an experience right now. We, we are having it, and um, I think they can be, like I said, po- positive or negative, but I, I think growth comes from every experience. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. So what's something you use every day that is well-designed, that's an experience <laughs> for you? Yeah. <laughs> well, not my toothbrush. <laughs> I thought, and they are very well-designed now. That was kind of the first yeah, thing that popped are. in my mind. Like, They're fancy. I mean, they the little thumb thing. It's got the little gel on the one I use. I only use the free ones from the dentist because and they're not the, free. They're I'm I'm paying like a hundred dollars for it. Look at the electric ones, man. Those yeah. things are becoming. Yeah, I, mine's Bluetooth. Yeah. Go figure. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, it tells me you know I can operate. It tells me I have too much pressure. It tells like all that stuff. Oh, that's neat stuff. Yeah, I just I don't use it though. Yeah, it was great. It was one of those. You know what? I'm <laughs> this is cool. Early adopter. I'm gonna buy it. Bluetooth. Yeah. You know, toothbrush. Let's go. Yeah, I was earning. Yeah, I like. You know, my traditional tool. I don't do. I, I don't do electric razors. I don't do anything like that. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm still just bladed and straight razor. Straight razor. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe not quite like that. I'd kill myself. But the uh, yeah, I mean, as far as you know, things that I, I feel are well designed. You know, that I use every day. I mean, you know, I mean, in part, and this is you know, to the degree that it is. I mean, the office I'm in. Because I helped design it, or the offices with VPS kind of helped design that. Compared to the offices we had, makes a much better work environment, uh, better lighting, more comfortable, and I'm able to do things there on behalf of people. I mean, if it is painful to go to work, or you know, if it's dingy or dark, or you're not comfortable, whatever that is for you, you're you're not going to be the best that you can be. Yeah, and more secure, more safe, or safer. Um, yeah, it, it, it's better for everybody. And that had been, being the ED, um, kind of one of a concern that had always been in the back of my mind. I'm always looking for safety, security for the people we serve, volunteers, staff, and what we do. Not that our people are going to be malicious or bad. I always says 5% of the people we serve, you know, there's reason for concern. But, I mean, it's the same 5% of any population. Just because they're experiencing homelessness doesn't mean they're a criminal or, I mean, they may do some 
uh, anti-law things to survive. That doesn't mean they're more violent than they ever would be or that their heart, you know, their grandmother's yeah. grandchild is any different now yeah. that they're experiencing this. So, And my other thing would be, you know, even though I'm a pragmatist car point A, point B type person, mm-hmm. I do like a, I do use it every day. So there, it does have to have some comfort to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now everything's about the, yeah, we are in mobility now. Yeah. We're not in the transportation, it's in the mobility experience. Right. Yeah, and I'm a minor in mass transit management from IU as well, logistics. So, you know, I'm a... I'm not anti-everybody own a car, but I'm anti-everybody own a car. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm pro-mass <laughs> transit. Yeah. You know, I, I think design of cities now should start there. Just like when you design a program, you start with, how are we going to evaluate this? Because now you have your goals, your metrics, you have that in mind. Mm-hmm. Then you work your program as opposed to investing all this in development and programming and everything. And then getting to the evaluation metric to be like, I don't know this worked. There's no way to, (laughs) how do we prove this? This is, so I think, you know, in, you know, I go back in time. If I could turn back time. You're now stepping into my world. (laughs) Yeah. Just like, again, bash the government because, hey, let's do everything wrong. Oh, wait, we did everything wrong. Now we're seeing all the negative outcomes. How do we fix it? Well, you can't. Right. Because you're trying to go back to a beginning when the right. beginning was nothing. And you start from here and you blossom out. You went right. everywhere. You created urban sprawl. You destroyed uh, your foundation. And now you're trying to rebuild it. And the only way you're going to do that is destroy what you built I'm over time. Pretty sure it's no more stoplights, isn't it? Uh, it seems more. to be. More less, less overpasses and underpasses, yeah. more stoplights. We need six. You need to go through three stoplights to make a left hand. I used to love Green River better. Road, <laughs> North Green River Road, North Green River Road. Yeah, it was just. I'm telling you, boy, I can get to 57 in two and a half minutes. Now, there's some choke points. There yeah. are a lot <laughs> more stoplights. Yeah, I always say this: if I could, who's saying that? If I could turn back time, I turn back time. I don't know, become a city engineer, no offense to any city engineers of Evansville listening, and, you know, put a train down the middle of the Lloyd, raise it up, mm-hmm. you know, turn it into the L, you know, I, you know, a loop around and just all of our, I mean, I think our corridors we have in Evansville and, and what we've tried to do with some neighborhood development it, from some aesthetic is good. You, you know, to a degree. But when you look oh. at the Lloyd, what was the Lloyd's problem? It was like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do it right. And they go, eh, how can we save money yeah. so we get reelected? Once again, save money. Save yeah. money. There's, Don't yeah. do it but right. And that has since cost right exponentially yes. how much. Yes, more. Well, and that goes with non back to the nonprofit yeah. is when we design something and renovate something. I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to the highest class materials possible but i want durability i want sustainability i want dignity safety you know and so we're we're going to invest in that and in the people we serve um it's i won't i definitely don't want to have to repair it so if it breaks within my time then we really didn't do something right but i'm trying to set up the success of my successor so they don't they can continue to focus on serving people and filling gaps and uh, working with partners, not having to redo and undo what what I did just five years before. 
that is being a bad steward, mm-hmm. you know. And no one's going to hold them accountable or me accountable because I'm not in there anymore. But I don't know. That's an internal motivator. So Mike talked about products. Give me a person, uh, a brand. Who's doing it right today? Like who has the most holistic experience that's a tough one <laughs> who's doing it right give me what, what would be mike do you have have you answered this question before what did you have you ever i don't know have we answered this question before? i think we I on the f- first yeah. first one our very first very one, first I one. remember what i said but yeah. yeah so, so yeah. what do you yeah I, I don't know i'll have to think about it so brand product brand per, product person a person doing it right yeah, if I had to answer off the top, yeah, of, my head, off the top of your head yeah. right now, what I'm thinking Help about or what I'm most uh, interested in and watching would be Tesla. Yeah, I'm huge space. Yeah, I, I watch a lot of SpaceX stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, uh, you know, I mean, I can get into, yeah, tax the heck out of them. Uh, but the, I mean, I think it's some, I have looked into the different electric types of batteries and things of that nature. But yeah. I don't even know. Yeah. I, and and the money they make, as long as it's reinvested, you know, it, it almost yeah. te- it harkens mm-hmm. us back to, you know, what we grew up with, seventies yeah. and, and especially the eighties. They we're going to invest and the it's dream. propelling us forward, as opposed to we're just going to make everything stagnant. Yeah. And again, yes, tax the hell of them, but then that stagnates the business. Stagnates to a degree, activity, right? Yeah. You got to have a balance. Well, build their infrastructure right, around them. You got to have them. a balance. I yeah. don't think anyone's against. No, and neither fair neither is Elon. You know, right? I mean, he's looking at what he's doing for the towns down yeah, there, and but it's like all the employees. Hey, and, but also yeah. be realistic that hey, but we're investing this much money and all this stuff. Like yeah. everyone forgets I'll, that, right? I'll that pick up on that. I, yeah, I mean, I I agree. Yeah, I mean that that. Prime to me, I watch a lot, and not just necessarily Tesla, you know. And I do look in, you know. But I mean, I'm huge into SpaceX because as I mean, a non, I watch a lot of SpaceX stuff. I mean, I talk about emotional. Kind of one of the questions on your thing is when that first uh, Raptor uh, engined uh, thing came down and successfully, and even after the tenth or twenty, re-entered and landed itself got a little teary-eyed yeah because that is just i mean a little science fiction kid and still to this day and that just i mean the possibility not that we're gonna hit light speed or warp speed or anything like that but with our own little neighborhood reusability mm-hmm. and and doing things that just could not be done i, I don't like being told i that can't be done mm-hmm. you, well i think that's you know, or that or that someone's not worth it but that's no, part of it. I think everybody will invest in the technology and they'll invest in making a healthier plan. It's like, but it's the it's the balance between being forced to right, right. You gotta go out like, you gotta go out and buy a seventy five thousand dollar electric car now because we're getting rid of gas. They're like, yeah, what? Not gonna People, work. That doesn't work. Like common sense here. Even though in the right? Build Back Better plan, I think there's if you make up to. Three hundred and fifty thousand yeah. dollars. You're going to get a. much, you get some credits. Right? You're going to well yeah, up 12, to. 000, right? No, no, 12, it's over. twelve or sixteen. Or is it over? It's I thought over. it was up to. No. Oh if you well. Make less, those credits don't exist. Oh well, that's just unfortunate. That's how it works out. <laughs> but, well, what I was going to say. That little prov- it's little provisions right. like that we can go. But way what off I was going to add, but as a non-profit, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. when businesses make more money, economy's doing well, less taxation. Now, for profit, money goes up. Yeah, donations go up. So people aren't 
like hoarding the money and not donating when the, they're doing the, that. I mean, they actually give more. The overall philanthropic sector, as far as the last data I know, has not decreased. It has continued to increase, even through these difficult yeah. times. Um, and that means even if maybe businesses, I mean, this is anecdotal, of course, because uh, I don't have data. I haven't really looked at this. But it appears, seems to me that even during these recent two years, uh, as businesses have continued to try to survive or, or do well amid even all the problems, their charitable understanding mm-hmm. and give back to the community did not decrease. No, new just, funds were like exploded, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, ju- just as... You know, so we struggled together, we survived together, and no one got, um, you know, restricted. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't exploded, but like when we talk about the communities coming together and saying, we have a need, like, let's put this fund together, let's do this, let's right. help in these areas. Um, it, it, ha- it happened. It here. happened. It yeah. happened here. It happened well, here. There was a need, and. and here's your positive for. Evansville, Indiana. So I don't know if this would have again swayed me back to aforementioned when I was 18 or 22. But if you're thinking of moving into this area or thinking of moving out or or somewhere else in Indiana, the collaborative nature of Evansville, of this these counties or at least our own and, and the things we do, especially across homeless services, health and human services, has I've literally heard it said, witnessed it, believe it. There's There's documentation behind it. We're more collaborative. We work better together. This is a great place. Sure, pollution, some other things, whatever. But when it comes to people working together to address those issues, we're at the top of the game. I mean, for the region Mm -hmm. and for the area. And there's just, I mean, you can just see that more or less in how everybody does work together. Everyone has their own little points that they may have to make on social media, right? But when, when when the rubber hits the road, we're all in it together. Um, I, I think that is the, I mean, E is for everyone. Of course, you know, individual experiences may vary, right? Asterisks. Individual experiences may vary. <laughs> Your product. Yeah. So, yeah. But the goal remains the same. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, Tesla's, yeah, SpaceX doing it right. All right. How do the listeners of the At 530 on Main podcast connect with you, Jason? Well... With me, I mean, they can always email me. Okay. If they want to email me directly, I may or may not reply. No, I <laughs> reply to all things. In fact, I was on TV uh, talking about White Flag a few days ago, uh, and then somebody from the community a- asked me a question. My email's on the website. Okay. Uh, you know, about White Flag and the thing, and, you know, answered the question. Uh, it was a good question. Uh, and, you know, said thanks, and I appreciate that engagement because that's what I want. I want people to uh, be n- knowledgeable be informed uh, to the you know degree of what we do and homelessness and uh, and the services. Interested, informed, and of course I want them involved. And then ultimately the other I word because we love alliteration is invested. You know I want them uh, to invest, bring their talents, bring whether to the board or what have you. So you can email. You can always call email address. Uh, my email address is director at unitedcaringservices.org. Okay. Um, you can call the main line. It's 812-422-0297, B extension 6. You might get gatekeepered, uh, and that's okay. Leave a message. Um, and if you want to volunteer, it's volunteer at 
unitedcaringservices.org. And then all of our everything on unitedcaringservices.org website is up to date. Uh, and, you know, we're, of course, on the socials and I engage people. If you want to donate, you can donate online. Uh, but, yeah, I'd uh, appreciate, I mean, at least give a tour, talk, chat. If you have a question, something that's always, you know, been burning and you want to know. If it's more than an email, then maybe, you know, leave a number and then I'll call you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up this at 530 on main podcast brought to you by VPS Architecture Extend Group here, uh, Evansville, Indiana, 530 Main Street. Yeah. Uh, Awesome collaboration. Mike, uh, like I said, on all these podcasts, appreciate your collaboration in this. Um, You know, it was three years ago today, uh, or we're getting close to three Mm -hmm. years ago, where we said, hey, let's do this space. Let's do a podcast. And Mike said, okay, let's do it, and and just leaned into it. We've had some, uh, obviously, we took a little break there during, yeah. you know, like everybody else. But First break, yeah. yeah we're uh, well over 30 episodes now as we go into the end of 2021. And uh, you can find us on all of the podcast. I'd say all of it. The team does a really good job here. I always want to pat them on the back for making sure that as many streaming services that are available for podcasts, they try to get at 530 on main on it. So like, share, uh, there's uh, forms on the website that say uh, at 530 on main, real big logo uh, for the podcast. And you can click it and you can see everybody's bios that have uh, been previous guests on the podcast. You can actually recommend a community individual that you think should be on the podcast. Uh, and you can forward it through email, share it on social media, do all those things. And you can find that at vpsarc.com and extendgroup.com. So as we start to wrap start to wrap up, we are going to wrap up this <laughs> podcast. We are an hour and 30 minutes in. Thank you for listening. Uh, Jason, thank you for being uh, on today. I'll come back. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go ahead and get that on the calendar. Uh, it's been a great conversation, Mike. As always, uh, you guys can get to your meeting now, yeah, good. and uh, we'll let the listeners uh, get to the rest of their day. So, thanks once again. Appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of At Five Thirty on Main, hosted by Sean Collins and Mike Davis. Please leave us a review and share your thoughts on today's episode. Let us know how you've been inspired or what you would like to hear on future episodes. And if you've enjoyed the conversation, help us spread the word. Share us on your social channels. Message a friend. Rate the podcast. Without you, this experience would not be possible.